Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. Hi, Kaya here. Welcome to another part of my story. Well, I finally arrived here on the Isle of Skye and true to its name, it's the Windy Isles. So much for warmth and romance. Anyway, at least the wind sort of clears my head. I've been driving all day and even though it's getting dark, well, I've decided to come along and walk for a walk. Not only that, I feel I need to still get my head straight about what happened when I went through that strange energy portal earlier. I still haven't quite pocketed, I suppose, what that was all about. Anyway, I found a, a place on the coast near the river and I've parked my van. And now I'm walking along the river just to get some fresh air. The rocks are actually really, really slippy and I have to really watch where I put my feet. It's more like a, an obstacle course and a, a jig-like dance than a walk, really, to be honest. <laughs> I think a, a mountain goat would be better suited to this than me. It's funny, really. Life can be a, a bit like that at times, can't it? You can feel like you're walking in the dark, picking your way through and around obstacles that seem determined to trip you up. Oh, drat! There's a, a obscure tree root down here and I've twisted my ankle. Okay, I imagine golden lo- light soaking into it and trying not to attach to the pain. I sit in, on the floor and clutch it and just imagine that all the muscles are strong and they haven't been jarred at all. And I picture myself running swiftly, I don't know, across a moorland with no pain whatsoever. <laughs> it's funny, it seems to work. My ankle stops throbbing and I stand and gingerly test it. Oh, it's okay, girls, I say to my dogs. who are standing down here looking concerned. They wag their tails and begin to dance around me as if they're encouraging me to continue our walk. Yeah, I'm coming, I say. Anyway, as I walk then, going back to my reflection, if it is dark, what do we do? Well, we grab a torch, don't we? And we get some light on what we're doing. 
and then we can see our way forward. And metaphorically, it's no different in life, really, is it? You pick up your torch called awareness and you shine some light on whatever it is that you feel the stumbling block is. And, well, hey, presto, it all seems more doable. Well, in that case, I need to get some proverbial light and shed some light on these portal things that I saw this morning. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, there's a lovely spot here. It'd make a brilliant swim spot and I discard my clothes and slip into the water. I take my usual intake of breath as the cold hits me and then kicking with my legs, I began to swim upstream. And as I swim, all, all the thoughts and the angst about this morning just seems to melt away as if the water's cleansing me. <laughs> There's a sense of stillness now and, and calm and I flip over on my back and I lay in the water like a starfish watching the clouds. I can just see the, the shape of them against the dark sky. It's kind of mysterious and, well somehow magical and in the water well the wind doesn't seem to bother me quite so much I don't know it's like all of a sudden not that I'm numb to the cold and the elements but I don't know I just seem to be more at one with them anyway I lie here gazing at the sky and I need a base I think I need somewhere that I can just get my roots down while I'm here I mean, I love my van, but I mean, it's not ideal, sort of long term. I just need somewhere where I can finish my article and get my head straight. The dogs on the riverbank have caught the scent of a rabbit or something and they're running through the ferns in pursuit. I groan. <laughs> I definitely need a place. It's so hard to be still when there's distractions all around you. I swim back to the riverbank and I'm greeted by the black dog as she comes tearing down the track looking very pleased with herself. I say black, she has got white on her but in the dark it's hard to see. She's more like a, a black shadow. You're a bad dog, I say teasingly. Leave the rabbits alone. Now where's your sister? A ginger streak flies past us and races along the track in the other direction. Oh, that'll be her then, I exclaim. Come on, girl, she'll be at the coast by the time we catch up with her. I begin to, to jog back along the riverbank with the black and white dog jigging along at my heels as we try and catch up with the other one. Goodness knows how far she's gone. But the river is sort of an estuary and it, it opens out onto the sea and as it gets wider, and I can just see as the, the moon's kind of out, it's, you can, everything's shadowy, and I can kind of see the dog up ahead. Anyway, there's no way that the dog can hear me calling. She must have now decided to chase the seagulls and run even further. Gosh, she's so naughty. Anyway... I go into the van and just grab a torch and carry off, carry on down towards the, in the direction of the sea. 
I can hear a barking in the distance. It's definitely her. She's probably chasing the poor seagulls into the sea or into the undergrowth or something. So the last thing I feel like doing is going on a dog hunt, but I haven't got much choice. So I get to where the, the river opens out onto the side of the sea or a loch. It's hard to tell in this light. And I, I find a track that seems to walk around the edge of the coast and I take it hoping that, well, hoping that my dog is along here somewhere. The track is quite long and it swoops around the edge of the, of the ocean and then goes up high over some cliffs before plunging down onto a beach. Up here on the cliffs I can hear, hear the dog running around on the seashore below, probably chasing even more birds. So I jig down the track, shining my torch just in front of my feet, dancing across the rocks that threaten to catch a toe in the rapidly decreasing light. So here I am concentrating, looking for suitable places to step and I'm not paying attention to the beach below. So when I have finally arrived there and look around, I can't believe what I see. I hadn't noticed from the view on the cliff, but down here on the beach, the harsh reality is clear. It's as though the sea has washed away all the sand and left just seaweed and plastic. Everywhere I look and shine my torch, there's plastic bottles and bits of rope and identifiable broken plastic things. There's even a plastic cement sack. Makes me feel quite sick, really. I momentarily forget my dog and aimlessly walk along the beach with my heart sinking with every step. I mean, surely people know what they're doing. Surely, surely they care enough to stop letting plastic get into the ocean like this. There's a foul smell wafting from up ahead and I shine my torch and then wish I hadn't. There's a semi-rotten carcass of a seal with a, a piece of blue rope tied around its neck and flippers. I stop by the seal and stare at it. It's really weird. I, I feel like I've seen this seal before but I can't fathom when or how. Weird. I feel like I'm being watched. There's a, a prickly energy, energy sort of flashing up my spine and I know there's someone behind me. I take a deep breath and count to three in my head <laughs> and then turn round and shine my torch straight into, straight into the face of the person in front of me. A cold chill shoots through me. I haven't seen this this man before, but somehow I know he's connected to the desert. He's he's not moving, but rather he's just standing there staring at me as though he's summing me up. I feel threatened, but soon the fear goes and it instead I get this rage. I mean, how dare, how dare he just stand there staring at me? I'm not gonna let him intimidate me. I pull myself taller and stare into his eyes and flash my torch into his face. But I'm kind of taken back. The, the man's eyes are totally devoid of light and my torch doesn't sort of shine in his eyes like you would think it would. Instead, his eyes seem to 
soak the light into them and just stay dull and black. No reflections, no sort of spark of humour or joy. God, if eyes were the windows to the soul, then you must be dead, I think. The man in front of me shifts and turns to face the sea. Surely he hadn't heard my thoughts. I test it, and in my mind I think, you can hear me, can't you? He doesn't move, but instinctively I know that he's heard. There was definitely something otherworldly about him. I think he does telepathy. I don't believe we have met. The words come out at last like a statement with no emotion or warmth. I know he's testing me, but I can play this game too. I suspect not, I think. I have a feeling that you like warmer places. He turns to face me. His eyes are burning now with hatred. I take a step back. I hadn't imagined that my telepathy would have such a strong effect. What do you know and why are you here? He demands. I felt this inner force of defiance rising up inside me even more. I've given up now being browbeaten by men. You've no right to speak to me in that manner, I say out loud. No, we haven't met. You're not the kind of person that I would choose to associate with. I turn and deliberately walk away from him with my heart pounding in my chest. And then I feel the energy shifting around me and and looking behind I catch sight of the man as he draws a, a weird shape in the air with his fingers. And then as I watch a, a mirage like the one in the desert the desert and the and by the 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 lock earlier, that sort of energy effect appears and well it's more like an orb now, like an energy doorway, and he disappears through. Well, without thinking I, I turn round and leap through after him. <laughs> I feel the same hot electric current through my body and that feeling of being stretched thin and then being pulled back together like a piece of elastic. And then here I am in the desert again. Up ahead, I can see the man talking to some other men who are on a track in in front of a large monolith-like structure that rises up out of the desert. It's huge and it's, it's really dark and black. I duck behind some nearby military vehicles. And then, carefully picking my way in between some other parked vehicles, I I make my way a bit nearer. Did you get what you need? Another man is asking the one that I've just seen. Yes, I trace the energy, energy signature, he replies. Good, regardless. You can give the Matrix Lord a full report. We've had the craft in situ in the base. Grisilior. Regardless nods and they began to walk towards the open exterior door of the monolith. What of the crystal? Regardless asks. It's been inserted into the device but currently it isn't working properly. So, 
we need the delivery from the cube collectors. Well, I'm hoping that's all that necessary, he replies, or someone will pay for making a gross miscalculation. And it won't be me, Grisilio says with venom in his voice. The pair step back into the monolith and there's a groaning noise and then the door slides shut. And I just stand there staring after them. Who are they? And where and what is this monolith type structure? Anyway, I haven't got time and I certainly haven't got anything that I can do to get in there and, and see what's going on. I, I turn and I leap back to the, towards the portal just in time as it begins to shut. I step back out onto the beach and I'm trembling and shaking. And then a familiar face runs into my leg and I look down and I see the ginger dog looking very sheepish. About time, I say, you're a troublemaker. The dog whines and half wags her tail, looking dejected. I walk off in the opposite direction, back towards the path and glancing over my shoulder, I see the dog sitting down as if she's all innocent and well-behaved and waiting to be called. Oh, so now you decide to listen, I laugh. Come on then, before it gets too dark to see anything at all. The dog leaps to life and runs up behind me and begins to leap around me in excitement, glad to be forgiven. Oh, you're such a pest, I laugh. And then I begin to jog back along the track towards my van with her at my heels. <laughs> Later in the evening now and... I've settled in the van for the night. My torch is in its usual place now, hanging from the ceiling of a van like like a chandelier. And I've got my journal out and I've been trying to offload some of the thoughts in my head and make sense of what's going on. I haven't been writing for very long when my phone flashes and I pick it up to see that it's Bella. Hi, how's it going? Bella asks. All good, I reply. I've made it to Sky. I've been clearing my head and writing in my journal some more. Well done, girl. Have you met the love of your life yet? Bella asks with a laugh. <laughs> I wish. No, not exactly. I've had another weird thing happen with the energy doorway, though. And I proceed to tell Bella about my latest experience with the portal and finding myself in the desert by the monolith. Something's going on, Belle, I say. Call it my writer's instinct. Well, why not do some research and see if you can sniff out any mention of a military base in a desert? Bella comes up with as a suggestion. I mean, even if it's a secret one, I bet there'll be some unofficial mention of it somewhere. Oh, so you believe me now, I ask. Well... I had to admit, it did sound rather far-fetched when you told me about the ship and the alien, Bella replies. But I've been giving it some thought. And, I mean, what if you actually have stumbled onto some alien research project or something? I mean, it could be a great scoop for the mag. I think you should run it past Lena. Lena? Interested in aliens? There's not much chance of that, I'd say. 
You don't know that. She was all for the past life article. Well, yeah, I agree. But when I tried to stretch that to be more of a quantum approach and talk about parallel dimensions, well, she shut me down. Hmm, Bella replies. I still say it's worth a shot. At least you'd be paid for whatever it is that you're getting caught up in. Okay, I'll mention it, but I won't hold my breath. Bella laughs. Well, do the research, you never know. In the meanwhile, you take care. I pick up my journal and continue where I'd left off. I really can't make any sense of all this, but it doesn't feel that it's good, that's for certain. I close my eyes and take a deep breath and see if I can get my automatic writing to kick in. As I've told you before, when I do that, often I can get really good insights. Take another deep breath and clear my mind. And I start to write. You're not deluded. You're perfect just the way you are, I find myself writing. The thing is, how many people actually experience that they're capable of creation? Capable of creating abundance? How many people feel the opposite is true? For many, life seems a struggle. They battle through, they do their best, juggling hats, struggling to be successful. But the quantum truth is that you can have everything Because you are a being of abundance, of wealth, health and happiness. (laughs) I stop writing and look back at what I've written. I mean, if I knew that that was true, I would never have settled of the relationships that I've been putting up with. Definitely not. I would have held my head high knowing that I was worth so much more and I would have waited until I truly and utterly met my soulmate. (laughs) I've got this funny poem thing in my head. It's walking the line. Do you have the time? So much to see and do. Racing against the clock. Really mustn't stop. Crashing exhausted. Gridlocked. Man's meaning. Is this it? This is what we program our kids to fit this social order. Brain moulded to forbid. Questioning the box's lid. Social pattern readdressing, matrix boundaries broken. So much freedom and potential if mankind is awoken. (laughs) There's a flash on my phone and I pick it up. I see Jim's face smiling at me as as I answer his FaceTime. Hi, Jim, I say, closing my journal and sitting cross-legged on my van seat. Hi, Gaia. Kaya, how's it going? Seen any kelpies? He teases. I laugh. Don't you go there. I wish it was that simple. And I I relate to Jim what's happened with the energy doorways. Jim's, he seems ecstatic. His face lights up and he gets all excited. Whoa, he exclaims after I finish telling my tale. To think that you actually went through an energy doorway, some sort of portal, you say. This proves that multi-dimensions exist. I'm not convinced and I say so. I'm not so sure, Jim. I still think it was on Earth. Yeah, but maybe, maybe not. 
And then there was the being that you saw. He can't have been human. This is it, Kaya. This is it. I feel a a flash of annoyance. And I think it might be triggered from my previous conversation with Bella. But what am I supposed to do, Jim? Ring Lena and write an article for the next issue. The point is not that I saw the being or, or even that I went through the portal, if that's what it was. The thing that's bothering me the most is the fact that the being knew my name. And what's more, it got shot. Jim's face falls and he looks a bit sheepish. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, Kaya, he replies, pausing to reflect on that fact. It is a mystery and a sinister one at that. I guess the only way you're going to get any answers is by going through more portals. Hey, you say you saw the man on the beach draw a symbol to open one. Can you remember what it looked like? Hmm. I take my mind back to being on the beach and remembering what the, the shape was that the man had drawn and Picking up my journal, I open it and I draw the symbol that I've seen, I saw the man use. And then I turn the page round towards the screen to show Jim what it looks like. Jim stares at it for a moment and then draws the symbol in the air with his fingers. But nothing happens. His face falls as though someone's offered him a gift and then demanded it back. I can't help but laugh. You really thought that would work, I say. Well, it could have, Jim replies with a shrug. It would have been really cool if it had. Well, I guess all you can do is wait and wait and see until you see another portal and investigate it. But I'd be careful, though. These men, well, they're ruthless. If you've seen them shoot this alien being and, well... Whatever it is that you're getting mixed up in, it can't be good. You'd best keep your wits about you. I nod. And in the meanwhile, I'll see if I can dig up any record about portals, Jim continues. There may be something in mythology somewhere. Anyway, you take care of yourself. And I'm very jealous of you leaping about in other dimensions. (laughs) I told you, I think I went to a place on Earth, I repeat. Yeah, but I can't help but think that this is just the beginning, Jim replies. Hmm. I put down my phone and I reach up to the torch and turn it off, plunging the van into darkness. It's weird, despite what's going on with the portal and the desert and then this funny thing going on with the noise from the phones. Despite all of that, I I still feel peaceful and and kind of happy. For a moment, I just think about the article I still haven't written (laughs) about past life and soulmates. And I wonder, I wonder if I have got one. And if so, I wonder where he is. I mean, who was he? Well, I've been drawn to the Isle of Skye for a reason, so perhaps I'll find out. I snuggle into my sleeping bag and listen to the sound of the waves as they lap against the shore, lulling me to sleep.
look forward to seeing you at the next episode of my story from Dimensions the Awakening. And if you'd like to follow Kaya's blog, it's krwin.co.uk. And for more information on the author, check out kayamia.co.uk or centeredresonance.com. Until next time, I leave you all now with some Atlantean light language.